Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Motivation Burrito. I'm your host, Melissa, and I will be honest right up front. I am still quite raw and emotional over this week's events of putting my cat to rest um, and having to let him go on top of a whole bunch of other feelings and emotions and a ton of stuff that's going on, like in general and inside my head. So I'm going to give a quick update on some of those things, some of those feelings, and then we're going to get into today's episode, which I think is a pretty fun way of doing things. And I'll explain in a few minutes. Um, So with the updates, I will start with some good stuff. I actually finally bought the domain for the Motivation Burritos website. Um, I've been sitting on this for about a month now because my old website was set to expire. And I didn't want to start a new website until I pretty much deleted everything that was tied to my old website. Um, So I wanted to start from scratch with a clean slate and to really just like have a fresh start. Um, So the domain expired, the website expired, and everything finally expired two days ago. I got the email. I got the notification. I went to the website hosting that I use and I deleted everything. And it was like, are you sure you want to delete? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm sure because none of this vibes with me anymore. It's not my jam. It's not what I wanted. It's not the direction that I'm going in. And I need to start anew with new Melissa and the Motivation Burrito and all things related to me as a podcaster and all things related to this podcast. So I bought the domain today and this week I will start working on the website and start getting like all the details um, into there. So that way that will be up and running. Hopefully by the end of the month is the goal that I'm shooting for. Um, I would really like to see it done within the next two weeks, but with the way I'm feeling, I'm going to give myself time and space to do it properly. Um, I, I know that I have a tendency to get overwhelmed when I'm in a highly emotional state. So I will definitely be taking my time with this and not rushing the process, especially since not only am I emotional, but I am also high functioning, um, anxiety. So with, um, my type of anxiety, it's very high functioning. And so I will actually do more when I should be doing less. So all of these things uh, I will be taking into consideration and all of these things will be um, what factors into when my website actually launches and is up and running. So that's the first update. That's the good news. Now for the bad news. First, I was kind of unhappy with Tuesday's episode. Um, 
I mean, it was called Tacos and Tatas. How would you not click on the episode? I was really hoping that that particular episode would get more traction, especially with Breast Cancer Awareness Month and people actually, you know, like having that awareness and fundraisers and causes and stuff like that, I would tend to think would do a little better. Um, And it wasn't an episode just about breast cancer. It was about other underlying conditions that we can actually um, have self-awareness on and take better care of ourselves. It was an episode about boobies. I mean, come on, what guy or what even like girls look at our stuff too. Like how many times as a female, do you look down at your chest to see if it's like perky today or to really like admire the bra that you're wearing and like all this shit. Like I just thought it was going to do better and it didn't. And so I was a little bit disappointed um, especially because the title was also catchy. I mean, come on, tacos and tatas. I could have called it like burritos and boobies and I don't think it would have made a difference at this point. So needless to say, I was kind of disappointed in the performance of that episode. I really thought it was going to do a little bit better. I thought it was going to gain more traction, but again, this is me coming from an emotional place and maybe the energy of it was off. Who the hell knows? It's possible. But I was disappointed. I was also disappointed and very upset about how pretty much nobody has reached out to me this week. And it's Thursday. Or nobody has checked on me, I should say. I had several people reach out to me on Facebook and say, I'm sorry for your loss. And yet nobody asked me if I was okay. Nobody asked me if I needed anything. Nobody has yet to ask me how I'm doing, how I'm holding up. And I'm honestly mad. I'm honestly mad about it. I'm honestly hurt by it, especially since I'm the type of person who always makes time and space for other people. I'm the type of person who gives my energy to support others in their process. And I was actually going to talk about like, changing the conversation around grieving because a lot of people look at grieving and they're like, oh, like most people like to be left alone. And that's not true. You have to get to know everybody's grieving process. If you really care about your friends, change the conversation. There were so many people who, well, not so many. There were so many people who reached out on Facebook and said, I'm sorry for your loss. There were a few people who reached out to me and said, if you need anything, I'm here. And I'm guilty of this too. And I need to change the conversation for myself too. And I did it. I did it the next day when I asked somebody who I've been supportive of the question. And instead of saying, I'm here if you need anything, we need to flat out ask, do you need anything today? Is there anything I can do for you today? Is there anything you need from me today? Because most people in their grieving process 
will not ask for what they need because they feel like they're a burden. They feel like they're a burden. They feel like asking for something is a burden. But we need stuff. We need either companionship. We need support. We need physical items. Like I was crying for two days and my eyes were so puffy that I needed cooling eye gels so that I can like reduce the swelling in my face. And I ended up just using ice packs. Like I used, I grabbed ice packs or I put ice in a Ziploc bag and I did it that way. But the cooling eye gels would have been perfect because they're literally meant for my eyes. Ask me how much they cost. Because if you're thinking about money and stuff like that, which again, when you're trying to be of service to somebody, it shouldn't really matter. But cooling eye gels cost less than $5. You can get them at any beauty supply store, Ulta, Sephora, Um, you can even get them at Bath and Body Works. Like they have like that section where you can get them there, but you can get them at any beauty, beauty supply store for like less than $5. A pack of cooling eye gels would have helped me tremendously on days one and two. Then I pulled a muscle in my back because I wasn't sleeping well. And for the past two days, I have been pretty much functioning with a pinched nerve in my back. And I didn't want to go to my chiropractor because I just went to my chiropractor like this past Thursday, last Thursday. And I see hot patches. I see hot patches or tiger bomb patches would have been absolutely perfect. But again, I didn't ask anybody for that. And here's the thing. When you're in a state like this, You don't want to go outside. I'm telling you, I didn't even get dressed the last two days. Today is the first day that I've put on pants since Monday. Today was the first day. I finally put on pants. I finally did my hair. I finally tried today. I got up and I tried. And that is all I could do. And again... Nobody checked up on me. For me, when I go through this process, there are certain questions that need to be like asked. It's not only do you need anything, it's did you get dressed today? Did you put on pants? Did you do your hair? Did you shower? Um, did you eat? How much water have you drank? Like, these are all things that I won't do, that I stop doing. I stop doing basic self-care. I stop doing basic functions because I just don't have the energy. And then that's the other thing. How's your energy? How's your mental capacity? How's your emotions? Like, these are all questions that are so important, at least in my process. I can't say the same for everybody, but in my process, these are important things to me. And all it takes is a text message or a message on social media, any platform, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, whatever, Telegram, because I use Telegram now too. But even the smallest reaching out would have made everything so much better. The only person who texted me every single day since Monday was my dad. And I cried every time he did because he's the only person who actually did that 
And that's my dad. My dad doesn't have to. I mean, he's my dad. He knows I'm not okay. But he asked anyway. Because that's my dad. And that's how he is. And that's why I am the way I am. Because that's how he is. So, needless to say, I've just been processing the anger, the disappointment, and the hurt in that because there's a lot of all three. And then there's the part that I didn't want to share, but a part of me feels like if I don't share it, it's just going to end up being pent up even more. And I don't want to do that. Um, But there's a person that I've been interested in. The person who I think the world of. The person who has been absolutely phenomenal in helping me grow and holding space for me to like be open and honest and true to myself and to really find myself in the last couple of months. And I kind of had a moment today where I realized I don't think this is going to go anywhere. And I think that where we are right now is probably as good as it's going to get. And that it's basically just, I don't know if it's even like in the state of friendship yet, because we, again, the, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I just know that I, right now, I cannot see a future in this. And maybe it's because I want him to open up more and he hasn't. Maybe it's because I haven't communicated what it is that I'm feeling. But I would imagine that through the conversations, through my posts, through my episodes, if he's heard any of them, that it would be pretty apparent how I felt and it'd be pretty apparent how I feel about this person. And again, this could all just be because I'm in an altered state right now. This could all just be because I am in a darker place and a place that's not able to see the way I normally would see things, but I can't see it right now. And I'm, again, like, I'm a little annoyed, I'm hurt, and I feel rejected. And I think what makes me, I think what bothers me the most is The fact that we've built our entire bond, our entire connection on the notion of honesty and openness and being vulnerable. And I've done all of that. And yet a simple thing, 
as saying, hey, can we keep it just friends? Or, hey, I appreciate your support and I know how you feel about me, but I think we should just be friends. Has not been said. And you would think that, again, our our whole connection being on the basis of honesty, you would think that they would be able to actually give me that. Is it going to hurt? Of course, because it's, it's a rejection. So it's going to fucking suck for both sides because, one, nobody likes rejecting somebody. And two, nobody likes being rejected. So is it a sucky situation? Absolutely. But does that mean that I'm going to stop supporting that person because I got rejected? No. That's not the type of person I am. I'm the type of person that is a friend for life. Like, if you say let's be friends, I can keep it that way. Because the universe brought us together for a reason. And if that was the reason, if the reason was because we needed each other to grow, to support each other through dark times, to just lift each other up and be two like-minded individuals and kind of grow through this process, then that's what the universe intended. Who am I to argue that? Which, by the way, my belief in God and the universe is also severely damaged right now. And I have to say, I'm finding difficulty in that too. Um, yeah, rejection sucks. But you know what? The rejection saves me from exerting extra time and extra energy that I can put back into myself. That rejection allows me to still hold space for that person and still be supportive of that person, but to not put so much into it. Because right now, a part of me is hoping that something would happen. So I'm holding that space and I'm being supportive in the capacity that I'm being out of hope that out of hope that by me holding space, what have I always said, right? What have I said throughout this entire podcast? That by holding space for somebody, by holding space for my my listeners, by holding space for my audience, by holding space for my friends, that it's in that space that trust, communication, and love grows, right? So in this process right now, I'm holding a ton of space because I'm hoping that these things are going to grow in that space. I'm hoping that this person is going to learn to trust me that deeply, is going to learn to open up and communicate with me. And that out of that openness and that vulnerability, love can grow. And if you allow me to continue to do that, knowing that the love aspect is not going to grow, that's not quite fair. So that's the way I'm feeling right now in regards to that situation. And as hard as it is to say, I'm just, that's where I am. So here's why I decided to share all of this, because tonight's episode, we're going to talk about wine. 
<laughs> and you're probably thinking, what the hell does all of this have to do with wine? So a couple of years ago, I had this really awesome idea to write a book called Tonight We Wine. And in this book was going to be all these different chapters about certain feelings or certain situations that call for wine, whether it was being rejected, whether it was a breakup, whether it was getting a new job, whether it was like a housewarming situation or a celebration or a birthday, there was going to be a wine for every scenario. And I was super excited about this book. And I had told one of my friends about it and they were like, that's a book that I would read. And that was, that's a book that would be a bestseller. And I'm like, right? Like, it's a great idea. So it didn't get off the ground because in order for me to produce a book in that manner, I had to really know my wine. And I couldn't find a person in the wine or bar industry or restaurant industry that had the time to pretty much do that market research with me, to do that research with me and to really kind of formulate that that outline of which wine would pair with which emotion or which event. So for fun, I decided to let's do it today because even though I couldn't get a full book off the ground, I mean, shit, like who, who, who wouldn't want to know what wine to pair with what emotion? I mean, if you ask me, I would kind of want to know. So I did a little quick Googling today and I decided to see what some of these, uh, what some of the recommendations are in terms of pairing wine with a mood. So let's see. So let's start with the good stuff, right? I mean, most of these are not really good moods. Um, let's see. So if you are in a good mood, and you want to just re- like relax and unwind after a day of work or just relax and unwind in general, the perfect recommended bottles of wine are a Sauvignon Blanc, a Riesling, oh, those are my favorite, by the way, Chardonnay, a Pinot Grigio, or a Pinot Noir. Um, and then what I'm going to do for fun is I'm going to go through some of the like notes and the bodies on some of these because I'm like really super curious. So if you're feeling sad or if you're feeling angry for a sad wine, it's recommended to have a Pinot Noir because it's a lighter bodied and fruity flavor. And those flavors are like energizing and can lift your mood. Um, If you're angry, they recommend a wine that's actually going to cool you down and cool down the anger. And so that wine that they're recommending is a Sauvignon Blanc again. Um, They also recommend a Champagne or a Moscato. So those are some pretty good options there. And if you want, wow, Sauvignon Blanc is actually in here for quite a bit. Um, If you're low energy and again, need that uplifting boost, same thing, Sauvignon Blanc. That's what they say to go with. 
if you're looking to spice it up a little bit, the recommended wines are a Syrah and a Zinfandel. Um, so that's pretty fun. I like that. And then there was an article where the author did an experiment and started watching like different movies with different like famous scenes that incited a certain emotion, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> um, and let's see. So one of the emotions that they decided to go for is joy, like happiness, joy, um, you know, that kind of thing. And the verdict that the author came up with was that if you're feeling joyful and you're feeling happy, these, this mood goes best with a Shiraz or, yeah, it goes best with a Shiraz. It says, do not, in this case, drink a Cabernet Sauvignon. That's not really for joy and happiness. In ironically, um, Shiraz also goes with anger. And so here's a good one. So for desire or lustier feelings or love-based feelings, she recommended a Cabernet Sauvignon or a Sauvignon Blanc. And here's my favorite, sadness. So for sadness, um, Pinot Grigio and Sauvignon Blanc again. And she says that these best pair with uncontrollable weeping. So this actually would have been good for me on Monday night because, again, the sobbing was just absolutely like – it was just – I was crying a lot. So I probably could have gotten away with a Pinot Grigio or a Sauvignon Blanc. Um, I don't even know if I have any more of those. If you're feeling bold and courageous, which I have not been feeling bold and courageous, um, although prior to the rejection, I was feeling bold and courageous. But if you're feeling bold and courageous, a Merlot goes best with a nice boost of courage. Um, and obviously, you have your celebratory wines too, like a Brut. I love a Brut for celebration because the bubbles, it's like... It's like a champagne mixed with a wine, you know, so um, Brut, Prosecco, like anything bubbly. Um, they even have some like Rieslings, like some sparkling ones um, and just regular old champagne for celebration. I love hearing the pop. When you hear the pop of the bottle, it's like my favorite thing in the world. So for me, that's what I would normally use to celebrate. And then there was actually an article. Let me see. There was another one. Oh, some here's some other options. So for happiness, another recommendation is rosé. Um, for relaxation, a Pinot Noir. For sadness, a Syrah. For boredom, a Chardonnay. For resilience, a Cabernet Sauvignon. So those are the options there. Here's my favorite. I actually found an article on the best wine to pair when you're feeling rejected. So this article um, pretty much talked about rejection or the feeling of failure and that 
obviously facing rejection is hard. And it said that you need thick skin to tough it out. And there's an Italian grape called the Nebbiolo that makes up a wine called a Barolo or a Barbaresco. The Barolo is known to be the king of wine and wine of kings, according to the person who wrote this article. And so they recommended a 2003 Cavalier Barolo. Um, and the way she described it, a Cavalier Bartolomeo Barolo, sorry. The way she described it is like a cowboy with a sweet side. And it's full of red fruits, violets, black pepper, milk chocolate, a little earthy, um, raspberry, plum spice, and smoke on the palate. So it's got quite a bit in its body. Um, so I might have to go search this one out and check my local wine store for a Barolo because now I'm super curious as to how this actually tastes. I don't know if I'm going to buy that particular one because um, I'm not too sure about plums being in the mix of things. I mean, raspberries with like, chocolate or strawberries with chocolate, obviously I can do, but throwing plum into the mix is, is a little weird for me. Um, also earthy and chocolate. It sounds like it's going to be a little heavier in the body. So I'm a little worried about actually going for that particular one. So I'm curious to check out like other brands to see what they use in making their Barolo, or if that's just the basic, like all across the board. Now, if you're anything like me, and we've talked about this, I'm an emotional eater. So it's not only best to pair your wine based on your mood, but it also works to pair your wine with your food. And I actually Again, at the time that I was doing research on this and at the time that I had planned this entire book, I had created a Pinterest board for everything wine related and like pairing wine with food, um, pairing wine with pizza, pairing like I even had like a, a wine guide for people who prefer beer, like which beers and wine. So like if you drink this type of beer you would be like better off with this type of wine. I had a wine pairing for desserts. Um, so we're going to go through all of these. Oh, look, even wine and vegetables. Man, I went in on this. Um, yeah, this girl went a little crazy. This Pinterest board is actually pretty solid. Oh, that's so cool. All right. So we're going to go through how to pair your wine with your food as well. I'm going to start with pizza because pizza is one of my go-tos when I emotional eat. So like when I emotional eat, I love the stuff that's not good for you. I love the pizzas, the pastas, desserts, um, cookies, fries, like you name it. If it's not good for you, I love it. So for pizza and wine, 
If you're having a regular cheese pizza, the recommendation is to have a Pinot Noir with it. Um, I probably should have used the previous one to describe if it's a red or a white. So I'm sorry, but we're going to do that now. A Pinot Noir is a red. So for cheese pizza, they recommend pairing it with a Pinot Noir. If you're having pepperoni pizza, another red. In comes your Syrah. Veggie pizza, they recommend pairing it with a Chardonnay, which is a white. White pizza, they recommend pairing with a Champagne. Yeah, I haven't had a white pizza slice in quite a while. And, oh, I could totally go for that. I'm technically supposed to be fasting, but at this rate, I might break my fast early. Um, A meat lover's pizza is a Cabernet Sauvignon. If you have margarita pizza, which I also love because margarita pizzas are actually one of the lighter pizzas, um, they recommend putting that with a Pinot Grigio. And Hawaiian pizza, they recommend pairing with a Riesling. That's fun. Now, wine and chocolate. Oh, my God. I love... Ooh. I found a Barolo. Not a, well, I didn't find a Barolo, but I found what a Barolo would match with in terms of chocolate. So, oh, I love all this stuff. All right. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk wine and more food. So. Oh, I like this one. This picture is a good one because it actually describes a little bit of the flavor and and the the types of wine. So, I well, first of all, I love food and wine. Let's just throw that out there. But obviously, as a person who loves tacos and burritos, I've always thought about what can I pair my tacos and burritos with, and I realized that. It kind of, there is a wine that actually does say specifically for Mexican, but I also think that it has to do with what you put into your burrito because if you're just doing like a chicken burrito, you can probably have a little bit more flexibility than if you're doing a burrito with steak in it or a burrito with barbacoa in it or just tacos. Like it, I, I think your meat preference what you choose as your meat in in your tacos and your burritos plays a part in the wine that you should choose. So for wine and food, a Cabernet Sauvignon is a red and it is a dry red with rich berry and oak flavors, which pairs best with poultry and red meat. A Shiraz is also a red wine. These are like the darker reds. And it's dry with notes of berry and pepper. And these pair well with vegetables and red meat. And let's see. So the Cabernet and Sauvignon are darker reds. The Cabernet Sauvignon, sorry, and the Shiraz are darker reds. And what mood did we say that they go with? We said that they went with... Oh, man. I lost the article. 
Damn it, I really lost the article. Oops. Um, reds are mood lifters. Here we go. Yeah, so your reds are your mood lifters, really. And it seems that your whites are the more relaxing. Yeah, okay. So the, the, the darker moods, as we'll call them, um, the like the sadness, the deep in thoughts, the restless moods, um, the... Yeah, the sad moods, those are paired more with the reds. If you're angry, though, and you need a cool down, they actually recommend whites versus red. Um, happy is also a lot more whites and relaxing after like a long day of work is whites. So now we're going to go back into the other article and continue on with our food choices now that we kind of have a better understanding. So a Malbec is a dry red with deep berry flavors. And this is the wine that they recommend with spicy foods, Mexican and red meat. And then you have a Merlot, which is a dry dark red with notes of berries and smoky spices. And this goes best with fish, vegetables, and red meat. And then you have your next level of reds, which are not as dark. Um, you have a red Zinfandel, which is a dry with notes of berry and chocolate, which goes great with Indian, Asian, and red meat. A Tempranillo, which is dry with earthy fruit flavors, which goes great with vegetables, Italian, and Spanish. You have a Pinot Noir, which is, again, one of the wines to drink when you're sad. Um, in fact, this one was the one that they recommended for sadness and uncontrollable weeping. Um, Pinot Noir is dry with notes of coffee and earthy flavors. That makes sense. Um, and that goes with grains, mushrooms, and poultry. I'm sure by mushrooms, they mean the food kind and not the kind that I'm thinking. But I kind of think it would be a super trippy experience if I had those kind of mushrooms with a Pinot Noir. Might get myself into a lot of trouble that way, though. And then there's a Lambrusco, which is a dry or sweet and bubbly with bitter berry flavors. And these go well with an Italian, a pork, or a cheese. And then here's your light reds, which is a white zin, which is sweet with notes of melons and berries that go great with beef, poultry, and fruit, and a white merlot, which is dry with light berry flavors, and that goes with a pork, poultry, or shellfish. And now we get to the whites. Your Chardonnay is a dry white or a sweet white with vanilla and tropical flavors. Oh, no wonder why I like it so much. 
See, but I like the sweet Chardonnay because some I have had some drier Chardonnays and I wasn't a fan. But if I get a sweeter one, those are so good. Uh, these go great with poultry and shellfish. Then you have a Moscato, which I like Moscato. I do. Um, I think it's one of my go-tos because for me, I feel it's like super versatile for... I just think it's like the easiest, actually. I, sh I shouldn't say it's versatile. I should say it's the easiest for me to manage. Um, so Moscato is a sweet with citrusy floral flavors, and it goes well with desserts, cheese, and fruit. And I never know how to say this one, so I'm going to skip it. But I do have a bottle of it. It's like a dessert wine. It's very, very sweet, and it tastes very ice cream-like. Um, then you have your white whites, which is Pinot Grigio, which is dry with a nutty, spicy mineral flavor. And these go best with seafood, cheese, and poultry. A Sauvignon Blanc, which is dry with earthy flavors. And that goes best with vegetables, seafood, and Greek. And a Riesling, which is dry or sweet with honeysuckle and citrus flavors. And these go best with fruit, vegetables, and Asian food. I love it. And for all my beer lovers out there, here is the wine to try based on your beer. So if you like wheat beers, the recommended wine to try is a Chardonnay. And it says that like wheat beers, Chardonnays are complex while still being smooth, light, and refreshing. If you are a pale ale person, it recommends a Pinot Noir because Pinot Noirs are earthy yet light and like pale ales are popular for being balanced and mellow. If you're a Pilsner, the recommendation is a Pinot Grigio and it says Pinot Grigio's simultaneously sweet and spicy notes are reminiscent of a Pilsner's strong hops and spiced profile. Interesting. If you're a lager person, it recommends Chianti it says Chianti are medium bodies and often bitter and acidic, much like a dry and crisp lager. If you like an IPA, the recommendation is Sauvignon Blanc. And it says hoppy IPAs and grassy Sauvignon Blancs are both versatile, bright, bold, and herbal, often featuring notes of citrus. If you like an amber or a red ale, the recommendation is a Zinfandel. Sorry, said that too fast. Zinfandel. Thank you. Slow down, Melissa. Zinfandels are characteristically, characteristically full and sweet, so lovers of the malt-centric amber red ale will feel right at home. If you like a porter, recommendation is Syrah. Porters and Syrahs are known for being powerful, dark, and full-bodied. If you like stouts, then the Cabernet Sauvignon is for you. And that's again a red. Cabernet Sauvignon is a dark and full-bodied wine with strong and layered fruit flavors. It is the red wine version of a bold and roasted malty stout. And if you like barrel-aged, it recommends a port. Ports are strong and jammy dessert wines with flavors as in your face and textured as your favorite barrel-aged beers. And then if you like ciders, Champagne is the way to go for you. 
If you like your tart and fizzy ciders, then sparkling wine is right up your alley. I kind of love this. Um, wine and cupcakes. No, that's too much. I mean, at this point, it's pretty much to say that wines can go with a lot of different things. And some of my favorites. So there's this vineyard that I go to, and it's out east of me. And the people that are in that vineyard are absolutely amazing. You get a flight of five for $10. And then you can also like buy your own cheese or your own snacks or crackers. And they ask you your flavor profiles. Like they ask you what your favorite wine is, like what's your favorite one that you currently drink. And then they ask you like if you're willing to be a little bit flexible and try something different. Do you like dries? Do you like sweets? Do you like berries? Do you like chocolates? Um, do you like full bodied? Um, do you prefer reds over whites? Like they ask you pretty much all sorts of questions about your flavor profile or your preferences and they recommend stuff for you based on those questions. And every once in a while, I'll tell them like, okay, this is what I like. I typically like the sweet whites or the sweet reds and, but surprise me with something different or surprise me with something new, something that I haven't tried. And then I'll end up with like something new that I'm like, oh, okay, this is really good. So I do like to like throw in that fifth one to be something different or something new that I haven't tried yet, just to kind of expand a little bit and see if I can add something new to my collection and add something new to my ever-growing cabinet of wine. Um, so I, I always enjoy going to that particular vineyard because they're super open and um, they ask all the right questions and they really make you feel like right at home. Um, so yeah, I love going to the vineyards for that reason. And then there's another vineyard that's also like most of the vineyards that I go to are out on the east end of me. There's another vineyard that has like the coolest labels on them. Like they're artsier, you know, like there was one that had the label of a really cool picture of Marilyn Monroe. There was another one that just had like, they're just really cool, like artsy labels. They're not your typical like branded labels or anything. So I like that too, because sometimes you want to look at a bottle of wine and think, oh, that's a pretty image. Um, there's like all sorts of different wines. Like when I, even when I go to the liquor store that's like by my house, there was one that had like, um, I think it was like, like a criminal's kind of wine where there was like a different criminal on each body, like bottle, like a different famous criminal on each bottle. And I was like, this is so cool. And they give you like little facts about what they were known for or like, you know, like what they did that made history or like that made them like historically famous or whatever. So I like look at those sometimes and you would never think that a wine bottle could tell a story. But sometimes a wine bottle tells a story. And those are the ones that I like adding to my collection because it's like, oh, this wine has this person and this person was made famous for doing this. And this wine has like a really cool art label on it. And here's the artist in the painting and this, that and the other thing. So 
I truly love wine, if you haven't noticed. Um, so yeah, so even though today is Friday, you know, it's a little too early in the morning for me to just be dabbling in a bottle of wine or a glass of wine. So with that being said, I am not going to go grab myself a drink, but instead I am just going to leave this episode as is. And I think if I were to choose a wine for tonight, I might partake. I might partake in a Pinot Noir, but a Pinot Noir is a little too dark for me sometimes. So I might have to take it down with like a sweeter red. Um, although it does say a Pinot Noir can have floral notes, maybe I will go shopping and maybe I will find me something that's like in the realm of the Pinot Noir, or maybe I'll go search for that Barolo and I will come back and let you know how that one is because it seems to be the one for rejection and, res and resilience at the same time. Cause it's like, the article was like, oh, brush the dirt off your shoulders. I don't do that shit, though. Because, like, for me, yes. You know, there are some people who are like, oh, rejection sucks. It's the fake it till you make it mentality, right? And we we both – well, I shouldn't say we both. But my listeners who have listened to my podcast know that I do not do well with fake it till you make it. I think it's one of the worst concepts ever. I think it's absolutely damaging mentally and emotionally because it's not being honest and it's not being true to yourself. And for me, when facing rejection, while it is hard, you kind of have to still move through it and understand that it's not just about you, it's about the other person and the space and the mental capacity that they're in. And I think that's also what bothered me so much is that I was so conscious and so aware of the other person's energy and I tried not to put too much onto them so quickly. And not only that, I will say that there were certain things that I didn't say because, again, it's a lot energetically you have to think about your words as energy as much as your actions, right? So for me, I knew that this person was navigating certain parts of their own life. You know, they're going through a period of growth, a period of self-exploration. They're looking within and you know, there's certain aspects of, they're going through what everybody goes through, the growth, the expansion, the self-exploration, just, I mean, I'm going through it. We're, this is the season for it. This is the time when people go inward. And because of that, I try to be as mindful as possible of how much I said to them. I didn't want to dump my feelings on them because they don't have the mental capacity to receive that right now. I could sit there and tell them, look, I absolutely adore you. I think you're the most phenomenal person that I've met in quite a long time. I'm really interested in you and this, that, and the other thing. 
I could have said all of that, but to put so much of that energy on them would not have been fair of me at that time. So I was super conscious and super aware aware of how much I told them, how much I gave them. And I tried to navigate the situation as to how much I thought they were capable of receiving. And I tried to keep my interactions as supportive as possible in a capacity that wasn't me trying to make something more of it. Because again, I wanted to give them time and space to maneuver through this, you know. But at the same time, I also have to be honest and acknowledge the fact that I feel more for them right now. And I feel more for them in general than I think they feel for me. And that's the shitty truth. The The truth of the matter is I like them a lot. I like them a lot. I have feelings for them. Shit happens. I. It's kind of what happens when somebody else holds space for you, you know, because this person held space for me to the point where my walls came down and I was open and honest and vulnerable in ways that I haven't been before. And when somebody does that for you, it's hard not to feel something for them. It's hard not to connect with them in a way that creates this feeling of, oh my God, like I feel safe with this person. I trust this person. It's everything that I've been wanting to feel for such a long time. And so I'm feeling it. But unfortunately, I don't think they're feeling it for me. And that's something that I have to face. And while it sucks, again, I don't want my audience to have any negative thoughts about this person whatsoever. I made the choice to be conscious of how much I told them. I made the choice to be conscious of allowing them time and space to maneuver through their current experiences. Because again, it's not any, any personal development journey is not easy. Any personal development journey is going to take a lot of energy. It's going to take a lot of mental capacity. It's going to take a lot of emotion. It's going to take a lot of time and space. But I made the choice to be supportive and to hold that space for this person. And again, it was my hope that in this space, the trust would develop, that openness and that communication would develop, and that maybe feelings would develop, but it's one-sided and you can't control that and I can't do nothing about that. So that's where I am right now. And again, fake it till you make it does not work for me fake it till you make it is honestly more damaging than it is helpful because when you do that, you don't process your feelings. You don't process that truth. You don't process what's underneath the surface because you're just trying to, again, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to mask 
cannot be masked, what should not be masked. And when you do that, you delay your healing, you delay your processing of those feelings and of the lessons that are being brought forward in this time. So fake it till you make it, no bueno. I don't like it. I don't encourage it. I do encourage processing the feelings. I I will say to take this episode with a grain of salt because again, there are a lot of people that I know who are on sober journeys and I am so proud of them. And this episode may be a little triggering, but I'm not here to say like, oh, if you're having a bad day, run to the glass of wine. I'm saying if you're having a bad day and you choose to run to that glass of wine, there is a glass of wine for you for every emotion and for every food that you decide to eat when you're emotional eating like I am. So choose wisely, live wisely, process the way you need to process and know that you are not alone and that even though this is a time of grief and self-exploration and burnout and stress and anxiety and darkness and shadow there is a light at the end of the tunnel um i will say that all of the events of this week is causing me to also look inward and to really be conscious of my circle which apparently i don't have one um but again that could just be my emotions right now. And like I said, it's important to really understand everyone's process in this time or to get to know everyone's process in this time. Um, and if you can't or if you're afraid, then just hold space. Just hold space and just say, don't say, if you need anything, I'm here. Just ask them, do you need anything from me today? And that's going to just open up a little more space for them to come to you. So that's all I've got for you today. This has been another episode of the Motivation Burrito. I have been your host, Melissa, and stay tuned for when the website finally goes live. Um... I will be back on Tuesday, hopefully, unless I decide I need a break, but we'll know when we cross that bridge and have a great weekend. And thanks for listening, everybody.